Welcome to the Baptizing Church, where the Word of God is preached undiluted. Our vision is to raise a generation of believers who influence things to the ends of the earth. Here is the Word of God. Listen and be blessed. Hallelujah. Can you rise up to your feet and lift up your hands to heaven? Let's bless the Father of spirits this morning. I said we're going to worship God. We're going to exalt his name. It's such a blessing to be able to worship him with other saints. Since we have come to Mount Zion, we have not come unto that which makes us to be afraid. Hebrews 12. We have not come to darkness to gloom. We have come to Mount Zion. We have come to the city of the Most High God. We have come to innumerable company of angels. We have come to the spirits of just men whose names are written in heaven. We have come to God, the judge of all. That is what we have come to. Can you lift up your hands and worship him this morning? Let your focus be on him. Let your focus be on him. Just as we heard, we were in darkness and gloom, but he rescued us. He rescued us. He brought us into light. Bible says he destroyed death. He brought life and immortality to light. We bless you, Jesus. There is a song I want us to sing this morning. If you don't know it, I want you to listen. If you know it, I want you to sing along. But God gave me this song. Um, and later on, I will tell you the background to it. It's not my song. God just reminded me of the song. And I want us to just sing it this morning. Um, are we ready? You revel me with a melody. Yeah. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my peace are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear.
Jesus, I pray that fear will be dislodged from every heart and we come into the liberty that the Spirit gives this morning in the name of Jesus. There are some fears in our lives that masquerade as pride, that masquerade as false confidence, 
that's masquerade itself as something else that people cannot even decipher that it is fear but by your word this morning the light will shine in our hearts and that light will burn, will burn brightly and light up every dark corner every dark corner of our hearts and cause us to make the decision that we establish us in your truth in your reality in the name of Jesus from today we are productive from today we are no longer we are not just talking about the blessing we are handling the blessing in the name of Jesus from today we are working with fulfillment in our hearts in the name of Jesus the word we firmly establish us in your truth this morning in the name of Jesus we give you thanks father in Jesus name amen you may have your seat amen how many of you here love the Lord if you love the Lord can I see your hand I can see that not everybody love the Lord and that is interesting because you have come to church but you don't love the Lord this church belongs to God how many of you love the Lord <laughs> hallelujah i don't know why it's like that but um sometimes you have to say some things to make people respond in a particular way how you doing if you are from university of abuja can you wave your hands hallelujah i want to celebrate you specially this morning amen can you scream can you clap can you jump up and celebrate hallelujah you guys are young. I celebrate you. We love you. Hallelujah. Amen. And we love to see you. Very soon, don't worry, you'll be engaged much more than you have been engaged so far. Hallelujah. God helping us because we believe that God um, is doing a work on the earth and every hand must be on deck. You see, as a young person, it's not for you to come to church and to consume. Consume, uh, consume. Marism must be banished from the church. The church of the living God is such that everyone has something to contribute. Hallelujah. And much more. Bible says the glory of the youth is what? Is their strength. That strength must be converted to service. For you see, when we say, are you in the ministry? Say, no, I'm not in the ministry. My pastor is in the ministry. It's because you don't understand the word ministry. Jesus said, I came to do ministry. Because the word ministry means to serve. That's what it means. It doesn't mean to wear color or to dress in a particular way only. Hallelujah. And then, you know, the rest of you don't wear cap then, but I put a little cap. I put a little skull cap. I'm just only. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just trying to emphasize the fact that this is the time to serve the Lord. This is the time to make up your mind. This is not a time to waste your life. There was a man who lived anyhow, and on his deathbed, he met the Lord. And when he met the Lord, guess what? This man was reading the scriptures and he knew that he had wasted time. So he picked up his pen and he gave us one of the good hymns that we sing today. Why should I go on empty and why should I? I can't even remember it very well. Yeah. So what he was trying is that that song, thank God he blessed our lives, but it was a song of a man who regretted the fact that he didn't meet Christ early. Hallelujah. 
But that's not our contemplation this morning. This morning, I want to talk on the subject of fear. Fear. <laughs> Hallelujah. Remember the time of Ebola crisis? People were bathing with salt. You can't remember. During the Ebola crisis, people heard that somebody just started the rumor that salt can will prevent you from the virus. And then people started baiting. We saw pictures of people white from head to toe. That is what fear can do. That's what fear can do. And there's a little story, I don't know whether I heard it or I read it, of a man, a, a king, an emperor, who wanted to give his daughter in marriage. And then he said, I will give my daughter to the bravest man in this community. So what he did was that he brought them to the river, and that river was full of all manner of things. Crocodiles and the rest of it, a pool, so to speak, man-made pool. Filled it with crocodiles and all manner of dangerous, dangerous um, reptiles and stuff. And then the young men gathered around. They didn't know what he wanted to do. Then he told them, he said, anyone that can dive into this pond and emerge on the other side of the pond is the one that we give my daughter to. Before he finished saying it, a young man was found in the river. He just swam across and emerged on the other side. People, before he came out from the other side, people started clapping, rejoicing. That was a bold guy. When the guy came out of the water, he looked around them, around him, he said, Who pushed me? <laughs> Hallelujah. For lo and behold, the guy was afraid. It wasn't boldness. So sometimes when we engage in certain things or we make some decisions or we do some things, people may perceive it to be like we are bold or we are a man of faith. But deep down within us, we know that that activity, even though it appears to be like faith, was motivated by what? By fear. My first encounter with fear was shortly after I got saved. Before I got saved, I got saved at the age of 14. I was in junior class. Was I late or early? Don't judge me. Hallelujah. I was in junior class. I came home preparing for junior YA. 13 going to 14, actually. And then I got saved. Before I got saved, I used to be very afraid of the dark. I'm not joking. If we're in the sitting room watching movies... And then you want me to go and bring something in the room. Just send someone to put on all the lights. Because I won't go into the dark. I was afraid. Always afraid of the dark. Can I tell you a secret? Can you keep a secret? Don't tell anybody. I had to bring out my mattresses a number of times. Because I was afraid. You know what that means. If you can keep a secret. <laughs> we go to the bathroom. The place is dark. When I got saved, I got back to school. I was in the boarding house. The very first, what do we call that thing we do on Saturdays? Social gathering. Social night. Social night. The very first social night, one of the seniors left his regalia. What he wanted to act a play, he left it in his room. Akinyele House, Univers Unity Secondary School or what? Undo State. And then, out of everyone, he called me. Topper, please, uh, go to room so, so, so and bring something. From... Initially, I remembered 
But I didn't know much of the word. But guess what? I just turned, left the all, female all. You know, St. Mary, St. John Mary. Two schools in one, actually. The only time we see the women is when we go to, uh, is in our, at the assembly and in class. We eat, we eat separately and all that. That day, I just turned. I didn't ask anybody. I just walked to Akin Eli house. Everywhere was dark. There was no light. And then I walked to the room. I climbed Akin Eli hall. And then I went to the box, picked it up, and turned back. And I was going back. It was when I handed over the regalia to the guy that it dawned on me that something, something changed. So, many months later, because I started reading the New Testament, what they told me is I started reading the New Testament. Many years later, I will come across the scripture that says, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but the spirit of what? Of love, of power, of what? Of love and of sound mind. I did not know. I experienced that scripture first. Before I, so when I was reading it, I understood because the only experience that stood out for me as I was reading that scripture was, was that. That was not the end of it. Our exam was coming close. Don't worry, we're going to read scriptures. I'm not just here to tell stories. But you need to listen. Junior Wyatt was coming close and then decided coming around, do you need expo, do you need expo? Uh-uh, I just got saved. I don't need expo. For those who don't understand, expo means um, result. I mean, people were selling questions for the exams we were about to take. I just got saved. I knew I wasn't going to do that or participate in that. But they didn't only approach me to buy, they also approached me to help them sell to other people. I was a Christian. If you remember, I've told my story several times. My story was that when I got back to school, all my provision and everything became what? Tools for evangelism. So in my room, typically, you will see people invited. I will give them my cabin biscuits and milk in exchange for them to hear the gospel. So they felt I had influence. Imagine, with that influence, instead of approaching me to come and preach on a crusade, they said I should help them sell questions. So I told the man, I said, no, I can't do it, sir. My senior, about two or three years, my senior. Lo and behold, the vice, pre- vice principal got to know. When the vice principal got to know about this, he started doing their investigation and our names. The names of those who were contacted and all that came up. I was among them. He took us to his, to his office. I can see picture it clearly. Without asking us whether or not we agreed, all of us were asked to kneel down. I was just near. So it was on our knee that we were, everybody was now telling his own story. So when it got to my turn, this senior that approached me, imagine the first miracle. I said, senior, I'm so sorry. I can't sell this. You don't tell your senior no. But the guy took it in good faith. I felt that was a miracle. But guess what? Now they have subjected me to another test. I have to mention the name of the senior. Because that was why they asked us to come to the VP's office. My heart began to to do, you know, be, be, be. I was afraid. I was afraid. Now, I know there are more important things in life, but can you picture a GSS3 student who just got saved? A 14, about to be 14 year, 13 plus years old guy, young boy, in that kind of situation. I didn't want to face the senior. I didn't want to confront him. But guess what? When the vice, president, vice principal got to me, I said, sir, the name of the senior is so so person and of that. Don't forget, it wasn't only me. There were other, young, I mean, other 
GSS3 guys leaning with me. So they heard when I mentioned the name of this. You know, you know what that means? It means when you get back to the hostel, just do your own here. Another one will wait for you, you know, and all that. When they allowed us, before they allowed us to go, they went after those seniors, brought them into the room, and then they released the rest of us, except those who didn't see anything. But guess what? When I came out, when the senior finally was released, they punished them, and they released them. When I met him, I said, sir. I, I didn't say sir. I said, senior, so, so, so. <laughs> senior, so, so, so. I'm so, before I finish the sentence, the guy said, Topper, don't bother about it. Don't, don't worry. Now, you don't understand. How many of you went to the boarding school? Do you know how much? That is, that is a greater miracle than opening the eyes of the blind. I'm telling you. I was like, what? And I did not think that was just one of those things. I felt God came himself to rescue me. I believe God went ahead of me to rescue me. Those ones which I play. In 2015, I got a job. It was a dream job. By 2016, the job was over. There were decisions I made about the job because I was earning a lot of money. So I moved into, I won't tell you the figures, but I moved into my apartment was, I was paying less than 500000 where I was living before. And then from that place, because of my new status, I moved from that place to a two-bedroom that was times, I don't know, multiples of that, the amount I was paying before. And guess what? My one-month salary could pay that rent. So there was nothing. I mean, if you're one month, what do they normally tell you? I don't know the, the calculation. But if my one-month salary can pay for a room, will you say I'm taking accommodation that is beyond my means? No, you wouldn't. My one-month salary could do that. But all of a sudden, I woke up and I began to sense that unease that talked you soon, your time here is, is up. It wasn't God, really. They were, let me just leave some things out. So, some things were happening and I was sensing that something was up. My boss came, the overall person, came from the U.S. And then we took him around. I didn't know he was testing me. Look at the, the novice me. Took my car. I was driving him all over the place. Instead of allowing him to pay. To spend money on that. I did, made a lot of mistakes because that was, that was what I was doing, where I was coming from. But guess what? The point I'm trying to make is that suddenly, one morning, I got a call, got to Kubana Hotel. Is it Kubana? The one in Mabuchi. And there was, the job was no more. The job was no more. Rent will soon be paid. I'd made decisions. I'd left some things behind. And guess what? Fear gripped me. Fear gripped me. What was I thinking? Will I go back to where I used to live? What will happen now? What will happen now? A lot of things have changed. My orientation, the things I was having. I won't expose Pastor Benro, but let me expose you a little. <laughs> I'll just pick my phone. Pastor Benro, please, can, can I have a million? Um, I'll give you on Thursday. True or not? For a week, and it's, it's paid back. So all of a sudden, there was nothing. Fear grips my heart. Folks, fear is real. As I'm talking to you right now, some school fees have not been paid. I'm not talking about myself. I'm, I'm talking about... <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking... <laughs> some school fees have not been paid. Some rents are still hanging. Some marriages are hanging in the balance. Can you take more? Can you take more, church? Can you take more? 
when, I, when we crossed into 2020, hear me, you are hearing from me, from your senior pastor. I can say it freely because I'm in a very good place now. And I really want you to be sober because what I want to talk about this morning is real. I conducted crossover service in church. When we finished crossover service, I moved into the office and I called the pastors and I said, my marriage is over. Are you following me? Everywhere is quiet. I'd gotten a lawyer. I'd concluded. I didn't want my life to remain the same. I didn't want to continue the way I'd lived for eight years. We didn't understand what the issue was. When I want to talk to my wife, I say, you are a good woman, but I don't know why this is working. When she, it's not working. When she looks at me, she says, you are a good man, but this is not working. How can two good people not make marriage work? What I'm saying in essence is that there are a number of good people in church, but they still don't understand how to make it work. There are people in this place, they want things to be okay, but there is this feeling, this feeling that keeps coming from time to time, and guess what? That feeling, they succumb to it from time to time, and so they are unable to see the power of God. For you see the definition of fear, let me give it to you. I just said, let me check what the definition of fear is. It says, an unpleasant feeling, triggered by the perception of danger, real or imagined. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Let me give you a quote from a woman. Her name is Jackie Hill Perry. She's a spoken word artist. She's also a woman of God. She preaches from place to place. Look at what she said before I tell you why this is important. She said, <laughs> she said, your feelings don't have authority. God's word does. Now, that may not make much sense. But let me tell you the background. Jackie Hill Perry, when she was small, she started having feelings for other women. As she grew up, she just released herself to it. So she was into lesbianism. In that process, she met the Lord. When she met the Lord, she knew she could not give expression to that perverted feeling. That perversion. She knew from within herself. And guess what? She decided to dig into the word of God. Look at what Pacific taught us this morning. It looks so simple. You say, I've read it before. Uh, how can a man, a young person, cleanse his way? But the truth is, she dug into the word. She got into the word until she came to a conclusion that my feelings don't have authority over me. My feelings don't come with authority. It is the word of God that has authoritative final, final say in my life. So let me read that quotation again. Your feelings don't have authority. God's word does. I should go around from place to place, bringing people out of the clutches of the enemy, plagued down with fear, in the bondage of fear, and she's been liberating them from one conference to the other. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 verse 1 in the message translation, it says, Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who will have thought God's saving power will look like this? Who believes? That's the message translation. In the KJV, it said, Who has believed our report? He said, Who believed what we have seen? And what we have done what? 
who will have thought God's saving power will do what? Will look like this. It's much more. I was telling you a story about myself. Where we are right now, a lot of people still don't believe. A lot of people believe it's a joke. But I'm telling you before, if I call my wife, hello, you have not called me since morning. Why haven't you called me? When I didn't call you, why didn't you call me back? When I call her today, I said, dear, why haven't you called me since morning? I'm so sorry, I was busy with clients. You know something has shifted. Something is different now. Perception is different. Trust is now here. Love is now here. So communication is not difficult anymore. In fact, without talking, you know what she's thinking. It's easy. Folks, be real. Don't cover anything up. That's what I'm encouraging this morning. Don't cover things up. When you cover, he that cover it is sin. What? We not prosper. There is no process that I've gone through that my pastors are not aware. Are you not aware? It's impossible. I won't hold it alone. I will call them and tell them, this is what is going on. Folks, this is real talk, right? I call Pastor Dele. I say, Pastor Dele, before this December, there was a period I took a retreat and everybody thought, ah, man of God has gone on a retreat. When I was coming back from the retreat, I had two bags. I didn't want to come back home. I was afraid. I wanted to just check into a hotel or check into a room. I knew if I could, if I could just stay there for one month, by the time I have, I'm on retainership for some organization, by the time they pay the little they pay me, at the end of the month, I'll be able to sort out whatever debt I've incurred. I, di- incurred. I didn't want to go home. And then I picked up my phone because I felt, but I'm a Christian. I can't just do this. So I called my founding pastor. Sir, I am not fit to be the pastor of this church anymore because I want to separate. Fear. And then he be- sat me down and began to talk to me. Folks, I'm sharing my life with you because I want this to really go down deep into your heart. What is it that is eating you up? What is it that is threatening you? I'm telling you what I've seen when I was narrating what I was seeing to one of my mentors. He said, Tope, God has shown you the token. So when I was praying on Friday and I said, God will give you a token of his goodness or a sign of his goodness, you thought I was just making a statement? No, that is my testimony. A token of God's goodness. A 360 degree turn around. Things I never thought were possible. Now they are not here. They are in another country. But guess what? We talk more than when we were even physically here. Of course, before she left, as she's leaving her office, she's coming back home. Before, she will branch, maybe go to Odun's house, branch somewhere. Where are you? I'm visiting. Mm-mm, it's not visit. It's fair. When I come back home now, peace, laughter will disappear. Everything will disappear. And we didn't know the reason why. Folks, fear is real. Fear is real. Fear is what? Is real. But you see, it's a perception of danger. It can be real. It can be perceived. But this morning, I want to just encourage your heart. And if you are going to reference this message, I want to refer you back to a series I taught in 2017. I will come to church. I was teaching that series But the contrary, the opposite of what I was teaching was what I was experiencing. I was teaching the word of God, but my life was contrary to what I was teaching. 
So in 2017, I taught a series, if you remember, Fear Factor. And I took my time to really show us how to take limits of God. How to take limits of God. I will encourage you to go back. 2017, go and check it out. But you see, this morning, I'm just going to touch on a few things. I have a case study that I want to use to illustrate my message. And then we move on. Hallelujah. You see, fear is one of the dominant or major weapon that the enemy uses to limit and control the people of God. And out of all the fears, the fear of man is the most basic one that I know the enemy uses. So we have fear of rejection. We have fear of humiliation. We have fear of embarrassment. We have fear of what? Give me some. Fear of failure. These are different types of fear of men. You don't want to confront some. You don't want, you want people to have the good opinion about you. There are so many reasons why we are afraid. And guess what? The moment you entertain fear, you are unable to express, hear me, the life of God. Fear begins to control and determine what you say out of your mouth. It determines what you see when you look into, into things. It determines the outcomes of each day of your life when you allow fear to dominate or to have a place in your heart. That's what begins to happen. So you begin to see yourself walking out of, living out of character. This guy is a calm guy. On a normal day, this guy loves God. But how come he was insulting in the way he talks? That is fear in disguise. How come he's so arrogant? He's so full of himself. It is fear. It's a facade. He uses that as a cover-up for the real thing that is happening on the inside. So what is the current thing causing problem now? I saw a tweet yesterday evening. And the truth, tweet, the background to the tweet is they were queuing up at the ATM, ATM machine. There was a queue. <laughs> and the guy sneezed. One guy on the queue said, I will explain. He said, I go. Two The guy sneezed. One guy on the queue said, if you were born right, sneeze again. <laughs> that is very funny. I, I, I think it's very funny. But the truth is, people are afraid. People are afraid. Who died recently? Kobe. Thank God for their lives. But remember, they said they made a pact that the two of us will not be in an aircraft at the same time. I'm also aware of a man, because of the sensitivity, I won't mention his name. Very powerful, very rich guy. He has a foundation. He cannot fly with the wife. The wife will fly separately. The husband flies separately. The children separately. So that if there is plane crash, it's just one of them. That's fear. That's fear. Because it's easier to do that than to trust God that this journey is safe. 
It's easier to do that than to come to the conviction, God, what about this journey? Don't go and then you stay. So why bother myself with God? By the way, the people I'm talking about are Christians. Why bother myself with all these things when um, we can just avoid it? If I'm going to die, let it be only me. So you fly, they fly separately. And all that. And all that. But you see, faith as a voice. There is such a thing as the response of faith, no matter what. Whether you are trusting God for a job, or you are trusting God to pass your course in school. Or maybe I'm talking to someone right now, you have two carryovers. And even within the courses you have for this semester, about three others are already posing uh, serious challenges to, I mean, a serious challenge to you. So you have two from previous one that you are going to write next session, and then three out of the courses you are taking now is a serious problem. And then you are looking at it that without five courses, who knows? And you are just in part three. When I get to part four, what's going to happen? How many courses, how many years will I have to stay on this campus before I graduate? These fears are real. Real stuff. There was a young, bright person in my university. He came when I was in Fumi. I'm sorry, my sister will remember this person. I won't mention his name. Okay, I can mention his name because you won't know. I'll just mention one of his names. His name is Taiwo. Taiwo was a very brilliant guy. He got to University of Ife. Ife has a way of cutting people to size. <laughs> Taiwo wanted medicine. They gave him botany. Is it botany or zoologist? You know how they do these things. Biological sciences. And then Taiwo was there struggling. He was there struggling. This was a guy who said, I will blast all my courses so that I can do what the direct, you know, just cross to medicine. The story changed. You know how you ask a young person, by the way, I don't sub subscribe to this. I'm just saying this to make, you, to make you relax a little bit. You ask a young man, what do you want to be? I want to be a pilot. <laughs> what do you want to be? I want to be an aeronautic engineer. And then the comedian said, they grow. <laughs> Continue to grow. Where realities eat you. Now, you are laughing, but the truth is that the guy can become whoever he wants to be. What those comedians are telling us is that circumstances of life changes those perspectives. Change the perspective and you begin to cut down on the things you say you're going to do. That's what they're telling us. We laugh over it. Continue. They grow. They grow. By the time you write down five times, you will know aeronautic engineer. By the time you are doing further maths and you are doing maths and you don't, you don't know, you know, fear. So I was talking about Taiwo. Taiwo, the last time I checked Taiwo, Taiwo was receiving an award somewhere in, I don't know whether Canada or the US. It was the best, his team was the best performing. He went into project management and all that. He wasn't really into, he was into, I mean, he's into it. They invited him over and then they gave him a award on that the globe, the highest stage whatsoever where, where project management is concerned. He was given an award. The same guy who was struggling. What's the difference? We're in the same fellowship. Even though he was going through that, we encourage him, don't leave the word. Hold on tight to the word of God. He's surer than any... He's... I'm trying to look for the better word. The word works. 
Don't allow, don't succumb to the lies of the enemy. It is true, you are the one reading. You are the one not understanding. You are the one failing these courses. But they are not going to define your life. They won't define your life. They won't define your life. See, faith as a voice. When we say faith as a voice, we are not just talking about the way I'm talking right now. No! When I talk audibly with this voice, I mean words, when I use intelligible words to describe things, that is, that is, that's a response, right? My body language is also a response. The steps I take is also a response. When we talk about the voice of faith, we are not just talking about that which you say out of your mouth alone. We are saying there is unity regarding what you are saying, what you are doing, the steps you are taking. There is a unity regarding everything. There is nothing out of place. You are not saying one thing and then doing another. You are not confessing one thing and your body language is speaking another language. There is a unity regarding everything you are saying. Your eyes is on the salvation of God. Your eyes is on the salvation of God. So, ah. Let's go to our case study. <laughs> so the case study here is about a king in the, in the scriptures. Um, Daniel. Daniel, right? Daniel. Daniel referenced it when he was leading. I said, ah, this man tapped into something. It's Second Chronicles 20. This story is about Jehoshaphat. If you notice Second Chronicles, they just focused on the righteous kings. So, Jehoshaphat happens to be the king of Judah at this time. He was the king of Judah. I just want this to, to use this to illustrate some things, show you the principles. When you are in difficult situation, when embarrassment is staring you on the, in the face, when shame is looking as if it cannot be avoided, when difficult, I mean, whatever it is you are facing, it could even be fear of the coronavirus. That what if I contract this thing? What if, what if? After all, even church position sanitizer somewhere for us to ensure because they said this thing is we have not yet proven that this thing can spread through. It's not airborne, but we are sure that it's through droplets. So if someone should sneeze and then the thing gets into your eyes or finds a way, <laughs> or maybe you were yawning while the person sneezed, <laughs> you may just get it. Hallelujah. And so you are panicking. You panic. Say, hey, I just came back from my Belkuta. That guy, they said he, he branched a Belkuta before. Hey. Or the date that the guy arrived Lagos. That was the day you came back from Dubai. And there was that tendency for you to be on the same queue as you were going through clearance. People have genuine fears. But I'm led by God because I told Pastor Ben Road that I might even invite him and give him a mic to just explain some things. When it comes to the things of God and you say, I'm a man of faith, that you are a man of faith does not mean you don't take precautionary measures. That you are a man of faith does not mean you don't make use of the sanitizer that we have provided. God in Genesis chapter 1, he spoke everything into existence, correct? In chapter 2, we saw God in the death, molding what he has spoken for. You don't get it. He spoke man into existence. Spoke everything. Male and female created it them. But in chapter 2, he went into death. What I call death. The sand. 
and he began to mold the same man he has created and he put his breath into that man and man became a living being. There is a principle that is in operation on the earth. Everything on earth is born twice. What the Bible only shows us is that one is more superior to the other. Right? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the things that be were made out of the invisible. In other words, the factual things. This is a fact that this thing is here. It's a fact that I'm wearing this jacket. It's a fact. You can touch it. You can describe it. It is, you can, I mean, it's here. But the Bible says that all the things that you can touch and all that, that there is a reality that is above this one. There is a reality above the fact. Now, it does not, that reality does not deny facts. That reality gave birth to this fact. So by faith we understand that the world were, the worlds were framed by the word of God. That the things that be were made out of the things invisible. So later on the Bible will tell us why we look not at the things that are seen but at the things unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal. They are factual but they are temporal. Coronavirus is factual but it is temporal. I'm telling you, I'm going somewhere. He said, but the things unseen are eternal. So the Bible encourages us to look onto those things that are eternal. So how do we engage it? Let's be practical. I, I'm not trying to be theoretical this morning. So I'm here in Abuja. There's coronavirus. I'm not an um, epidemiologist. Is that what they are called? I'm not. So what is my part in this? I will tell you, ever since I got to know about coronavirus, I've been praying. So what has been the nature of my prayer? And why have I been praying? Number one, I've been praying because I know not all men have faith. I've been praying because I know I'm a believer, but the people who want to rescue, some of them are Hindu, some of them are Christians, some of them are Muslims, and all that. And what the covenant I'm operating on the earth is that through me, the nations of the earth will be blessed. I, am not, I don't have responsibility just for the church. I have responsibility for the world. Just like God. And so when I'm praying, I'm praying that they discover the vaccine on time. When I'm praying, I'm praying that the protective gears worn by nurses will work. And in the process of helping us to contain this thing, they don't become victims of it. That has been my prayer. This morning, to the workforce members that came early, that was still the prayer we prayed. That has been the nature of my prayer. You know why? I cannot just say, if you put the virus in my, on my, in my hand, go and bring my microscope. It will die off. What's that nonsense? It may be true, but it's nonsense. So will everybody become like me? There's a story I didn't tell you. I didn't like pills. So when I got saved, I said bye-bye to pills. Drugs. 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 So I don't know drugs. I know Panadol. I know Chloroquine. I know Ampicillin. I know Penicillin. I know some drugs that I, I had when I was growing up. But mentioning any modern drugs, I don't know. Because I don't take so there was a time I took heal, and I was running. You know this illness that you are running? No, you are not only running. You are holding something and you are running today. <laughs> you are running because you are afraid that something may just drop. And that would be embarrassing. And my wife said, 
is um, what you call it. Um, you need. Uh, uh, it's an infection. It's an infection. You know, if it is headache, you are saying it to go. But this one is an infection, no. If you don't kill what is responsible, you continue to have it. And it's as if that testimony was going to go. The man of God, you better swallow some things and kill the germs. Forget it, nothing. It came and it left. It came and it left. But where am I driving at? Does that mean I will come to the pulpit and say, don't take drugs? Far from it. That is nonsense. That is, that is not the thinking of a kingdom-minded person. A kingdom-minded person knows that we have come, hear this one, to the promised land. In the promised land, the principles that work in the, in the desert, in the wilderness, they are still in operation, right? But they are not consistently, constantly in operation. I will explain. You see, in the promised land, you will plant your vineyard. In the promised land, you will need to buy a land to cultivate, to go into agriculture. Otherwise, you will starve. But you see, in the wilderness, God will rain down manna. In the wilderness, God will part the sea. In the promised land, God will give somebody wisdom to build bridges. I heard a story. I have not confirmed it. Pastor Daniel told us that time, in a particular place, in one Asian place, that the the evangelists who were going to villages, they were walking on water to go to villages. As in, they would just wade through water, like little stream. Just wade through, preach and all that. They now ask them that, this 21st century, those guys are still alive. They ask them, that, do you still walk on water to go there? They say, why? Government built bridges how many years back? There's no need to do that. We can even connect through road because there are bridges everywhere. Do you get what I'm trying to say? When there was no innovation or, or things around bridges or whatever, they could wait on water. That was miracle. But now, God has given that wisdom to someone. Bridges have been constructed. If anybody should try to walk on water, the person is filled with the Holy Ghost, he will drown with it. And Apostle Peter, you know the way they, I don't, I'm sure that's not how it's going to be, but Apostle Peter will say, come on. Good children. Yeah, come, come. You were stupid, but just come. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if you are getting my logic. The prayer we begin to pray is that somebody will receive the wisdom through your prayers to find the solution to this thing. Do you get what I'm talking about? So in other words, advancement in technology, advancement in medicine, engineering, is not anti-God. If at the most cases, this, it, it is the wisdom of God that is in operation. Because in the last days, the Bible says, wisdom will do what? Increase. Wisdom will increase in the last days. Bible prophesied that in Revelation, in the last wisdom will increase. That is what we are saying. This thing is not against what God is doing. So coronavirus, your prayer should be that they find vaccine on time. Your prayer should be that God will protect those who are who are giving support to the, to the guys, you know, who, who have been down with this stuff. That should be your prayer. Your prayer shouldn't be like me. Don't be selfish. I cover my body with the blood of Jesus. No, the blood of Jesus may not cover us completely. I cover myself with the blood of Jesus and the blood of God. So you begin to say things that are not in the scriptures. Things that are alien to scriptures. You begin to say, do you know why? 
as you are saying it, I could see God in heaven looking at you, my child. Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Blood of God. People don't even understand this thing. Somebody was praying. True life story in a lorry. The lorry people offer. He said, God opened a fresh wound on the side of Jesus and covered me with that blood. I'm not joking. The person does not even understand the concept of the blood of God. They think, when you say the blood of Jesus, what people are imagining is the red substance that flows in your veins. You don't understand. The blood of Jesus, we are talking about the life of God. Maybe one of these days we'll look into it. So sorry, I've moved away. So Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat was facing <laughs> 10 minutes to do this. Don't worry, we'll rush through it. Let me read the first three verses. It says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Az eh? Azazon, Azazon Tamar, which is Engedi. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat did what? Yeah. Let me tell you this. Because when we talk, preachers have been accused of always painting the ideal. We tell you the ideal. For instance, when I'm telling you testimony, I just tell you the testimony. How it happened. I leave out the process. I didn't tell you the period that they gave me the bill. I'm like, who's going to pay this? And then for the next two days, you are wondering, you are fearful. You locked yourself inside. We delete that one out of the testimony. We just said, when they brought the bill and I saw it, two scriptures came to my mind. <laughs> and I began. <laughs> it is not true. You are first afraid. It is normal. It's okay. When they brought this news, he was afraid. And let me tell you, what is going to happen in your case is that when, this, when you find yourself in this situation, you'll be afraid also. But guess what? What you do next is always the issue. What you do next is always very important. The Bible says, Jehoshaphat feared. Look at what he said next. Look at what the Bible says. And did what? Set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. He was afraid. But what he did next is something I need you to pay attention to. What do you do when you are afraid? See, <clears throat> and then your pace will slow down. You slow down a bit and say, Lord, I seek you. He wasn't talking to God with confidence. Why? Because to a man who is fearful, you are nursing yourself back to faith. You are nursing yourself back to faith. Don't deceive yourself. You are afraid because you know, how can this thing be? How can I undo this? What you do next is not just automatic anything. You are nursing yourself back. The faith level, if it is something we can measure, it begins to increase as you take the right steps. The most right steps you take, the more faith is, 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 is wells up on your inside. Bible says he sought to seek the Lord. He began to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Let's seek the face of the Lord. Let's hear what God has to say about this situation. 
So it's okay to be gripped with fear initially, but what do you do next? What do you do next? The evidence or the fact creating the feeling of fear is usually overwhelming. But one thing I want you to know also is that if you seek the Lord, the solution that the Lord is going to bring, hear this, is not going to be at the size of the problem you are facing. It's going to be at the size of God. The size of what God is going to bring about as a solution that you seek is going to be at the level of God, not at the level of the problem you are trying to solve. So the Bible will tell us that where sin abounds, what happens to grace? Sin, grace abounds much more. Much more was made available. So one principle that you have to know is that if you dare to seek God, when the solution comes, it will amaze you. You will remember the scripture that I read when we started in Isaiah 53 verse 1 message translation. Who believes that what we have heard and seen? Who will have thought God's saving power will look like this? Who will have guessed? Who will have thought? Even those who are praying the prayers, they will be shocked. Because the Bible says when the Lord turned again, the activity of Zion were like who? Those who dream. It was like a dream. Is this possible? Is this possible? Hallelujah. It will be at the size of God. So they prayed. Now, verses 5 to 8 document some of the prayers that he prayed. He says something, then Joseph stood, verse 5, in the assembling of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might? So that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Now the point I'm trying to make is that in their prayer, the content of that prayer was what I call it the prayer of remembrance. Have you heard that before? Me, even me too. I've not heard it before. I'm just saying it as I'm preaching to you. It's a prayer of remembrance. He said, oh God of our fathers, the moment they pray that way, they are about to recall the faithfulness of God over generations. The faithfulness of God. Now, the problem you are facing right now, perhaps they never faced it, but they faced their own giants in their day. So you are recalling back how God came through for them. And then in this situation, it's not going to be different. God is going to act in this same situation, the way he has always acted. So they brought back, that prayer was, I call it prayer of, prayer of remembrance of the faithfulness of God. Of the faithfulness of God. And then verses 9 to 12, he began to make bold declarations. So the first thing he did, he was afraid. The second thing he did, he decided to seek the Lord. And as he was seeking the Lord, he made the prayer. He declared the fast, and then he made the prayer. When he made that prayer, what he did, the content of that prayer was to remember the consistency and the faithfulness of God over generations. Verses 9 to 12, he made declaration. That wasn't just a prayer. That was a declaration. For those who are looking, do they make confessions in the Bible? Look at this one. Verse 9. If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence or famine we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save us this is a declaration he wasn't just praying he was declaring folks there is a place for declaration 
you are, I mean, after recurring, remembering the faithfulness of God, you come to a place of declaration. That place you are not, it's not as if you are just praying to God. You are remembering, you have remembered God, but now you are making declaration on what you want to see happen in this particular situation. Verse 11, he said, here they are, rewarding us by coming. Now, verse 10, he says, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Monsier, whom you will not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. In other words, they are now paying us with evil. When we're coming from Egypt, we could have run them over, but the Lord, you said we shouldn't do that, but now they are repaying us with evil. Okay? He said, here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. Verse 12, oh, our God, will you not judge them for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. If you can still, if you are still claiming that you can figure it all out, you can handle it by yourself, it's something, don't worry, it's, it's not beyond control, it's under control, don't worry, I'm handling it, I'm handling it. I have bad news for you this morning, most probably you are outside, operating outside the will of the Father. You have not involved God. When you say, I can handle it, I can do it by myself, these people, their declaration, they say, Lord, we do not know what to do. Lord, this number is too great for us to confront. Is somebody taking in wisdom this morning? When you look at that rock, and you said, I can't surmount this, I can't climb this, then what do you do? You cry. Take me to the rock that is what? Higher than I. That is higher than high. That's exactly what Jehoshaphat did here. He began to pray. And to pray unto God. And guess what? When they got to this point, God raised a man in the middle. I thought God was going to raise a particular prophet among them. Yes, he was a prophet. But it wasn't just a really, really a known person. Well, it was known, but it was among a group. Look at verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jehiel. Je- uh, what's that? Jehiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite. When the Bible says a Levite, you have Levites. It's a whole tribe. This one, the spirit of all came upon a man. Okay? That man began to declare the word of God. Now, how do we situate that within a situation? As we begin to seek the face of the Lord, Lord, let that be vaccine. I mean, let them discover vaccine or whatever. The spirit of God will bring light to somebody. If you are in a situation, it's so dark and all that, the spirit of God will light upon somebody. I pray this morning that God will give you the gift of men in the name of Jesus. That the men that surround you as those who can host the voice of the Lord. Who can host the impressions of the Spirit. The men who surround you are the ones who can hear when God speaks. The men who surround you are the ones who will come and speak wisdom to your life. Because they have been inspired by God to do so. So the Spirit of God came upon this guy and he began to declare in verse 15. He said, listen! All of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Tell your neighbor, do not be afraid. Remember that immediately he saw the multitude, he was afraid. When God appeared, the first thing God addressed was that part of his heart. Do not be afraid. Or dismayed because of this great multitude. For what? The battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Now, people don't understand the language of the Bible. 
When the Bible says the battle is not yours but God's, people think that, okay, um, let me just go and relax. No. When he says the battle is not yours but God's, don't be quick to leave the presence of God. He wants to still speak. If God is telling you that don't worry, I have this, I've got it. Always know there are instructions behind that statement. It's a principle. If he tells you I'm the one that will handle this, still stay there. He has more words to say to you. Because what should I do? He says he's the one who's going to handle it. So what should I do? In this particular instance, he said the battle is not yours but God. Verse 16. Look at what he says in verse 16. This man was still prophesying what God said. He said, tomorrow, go. Tell your neighbor, go. You will have thought when he said the battle is the Lord. Let me just go inside my house and just relax. But he said, go. Don't stand still. The battle is the Lord. But he said, go down against them. Uh-uh. Against them, Bao. Lord, you said the battle is yours. Why am I going against them. Are you following what I'm saying? Very simple, but it's an important principle that I want you to pay attention to. Go against them. They will surely come up at ascent of, um, by the ascent of Aziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In other words, you won't be an active participant in this situation. You will be a spectator. You will be in the vicinity of the sal- where the salvation of God is going to emerge. Hallelujah. You will see him come around for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it says, where are we? You will not need to fight, verse 17. Position yourself and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. This is the second time he's saying that. For the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed down his head, his face, and blah, blah, blah. Look at verse 19. Then the Levites of the children of, of Quartite and of the children of the Korahite stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. I will tell you what I found. Don't be too quick to praise. Don't be too quick to bust out shouting and praising. As a principle, I learned something here. The first thing they did was to seek the face of the Lord. They stayed there until they heard clearly what they were supposed to do. The praises they were offering unto God was not not an empty praise. It was a praise coming from a place of instruction. That praise was coming from the fact that God has spoken. That praise was coming from the fact that we know what to do now. That praise was coming from a place of assurance regarding what God has said. Are you following what I'm saying? What this place, the first thing they did was to seek the Lord. They heard God clearly. Believers stay in there. This morning, March, Pastor Bero, we discussed during the week. I was supposed to start a new series, right? I called our admin, Boma. I said, Boma, once I'm through with this, um, I will let you know so that you can engage Ezekiel and see how we can design something for the new series. But when I got back to my bed and I began to just pray a little bit for the service, I knew I wasn't going to start any new series. No, from yesterday, sorry, from the office. When I got home, I said, I said no series. Lord, what message? What message now? No series. And then your call came in. His call, after the conversation I had with him, I knew within myself that the Spirit was telling me along a particular line. 
So I stayed there, I prayed some more, I prayed some more, and he just gave me this. When he gave me Chronicles 20 and I read it, I said, yes, that is it. And then I began to remember how did this happen in my own life. That is how this message came about. Folks, God forbid that we become professional preachers. God forbid that we can no longer pray and sense what is going on in the congregation and then the message is actually addressing what is going on. Hallelujah. Hear the voice of the Lord first. Seek the Lord. Hear him. When we say you should pray, it's a two-way conversation. When you pray, somebody said, I realize that when I speak to God, nothing really happens. But when he speaks to me, something always happens. So it's not enough for you to go to God and you are praying and you are the only one talking. It's not a monologue. Lord, this, Lord, this, Lord, this. And by the time we look at what you are really saying, you are just telling God all manner of things. When you commune with God, is your father. Sometimes I check myself. Sometimes you will see me praying and I'm praying with all the energy. Other times I'm just relaxed. You know when I'm relaxed, I'm just thinking about this is my father. If I stand before my father, will I be shouting like this? I just, I just keep calm. I'm not saying don't shout. I'm just telling you my own experience. Sometimes I scream, I scream before God because at that time, I just want him to hear me. I want him to hear the cry of my heart. I know he's my father, but I'm doing that, I'm taking that position because I want him to see the cry of my heart. But other times, I'm conscious of the father and my father I speak to. Just be calm now. Just talk to him. He hears. Hallelujah. Praise here came after they heard exactly what God said. Now, for you to know how important this is. Verse 18. Verse, um, verse 20. Bible says, They arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Look at that scripture that you love so much. This is where it is. What does it say? What does it say? Believe in the Lord your God and what will happen? You shall be established. Believe his prophet. He didn't say believe prophet. So he said his prophet. His own prophet. Because there are all manner of prophets. Okay? Believe his prophet and you shall what? Prosper. In other words, the word of the Lord is there to guide you. The word of the Lord is there to show you the character of God. The word of God is there to establish you in who God is, how he speaks, his principles. The word of God is there to show you the boundary of his operations. Are you following? So that when a man stands up and he said, the Lord says, you can situate it within what God is doing. What you have learned about God. You can situate what God is saying now within what he had said. That he, I mean, within the, the revelation of his person. Within the revelation of the way he speaks. I don't know, is somebody following me? Are you getting what I'm saying? Believe the Lord and you shall be established. How do we get to believe God? When you stay with God's word, what do you think is happening? You are getting the knowledge of who God is. You are getting to understand how he speaks. You are getting to understand how he relates with his children. You are getting to realize, his, uh, learn about his judgment. You are getting to learn about his promises. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. So the word that is coming to you right now, for instance, as I'm teaching you this morning, to somebody else, Pastor Tokba is just teaching, to another person, this is a word of knowledge for me. To another person, this is how, there is a cue for the next thing I'm supposed to do. To another person. Because you see, in this church, 
I try except God impresses it on my heart. I may not come out and say there are three people here. This week God is going to do this. God is going to do that. I may never do that. Except God specifically tells me. You know why? I found out that word of knowledge is contained in the message that is preached to you. Word of wisdom is contained in the message that is preached to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are facing different all kinds of things. But as you see to hear God's word, you hear clearly what he is saying to you. Not necessarily what he is saying to all of us. Are you following what I'm saying? He said, believe the Lord you shall be established. You've got to stay true to the word. Because if you don't know who God is, if you don't know how he speaks, when I stand up here and I'm saying God said this and this will happen to you, how do you know that's not the voice of the devil? How will you tell it's not the word of the devil? So what the Bible says is that be established in the word. Then when he now speaks, you can situate what he's saying within the context of who he has revealed himself to be. Believe the Lord, you shall what? Be established. Believe his prophet, you shall prosper. The Bible says in verse 22, and I close, now when they began to sing, and to praise the Lord. And to praise. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Monsir. Who had come against Judah. And they were defeated. How? Each man helped his neighbor to destroy themselves. The people that came against Judah turned on themselves. And they were cutting themselves. Ah, you, you never die. Let me remove your head. This, they destroyed themselves. But guess what? They were singing in the storm. The singing was in response to what God said. But don't get it twisted. They had not yet seen the salvation of the Lord when they were singing. They were not singing as they were seeing the people destroying themselves. They had not seen that. They just heard what these Levites declared that God told them. And they began to sing and Praise the Lord, even when they had not seen the salvation. And guess what? The Bible says they sustained that singing and praise till the next day when they moved out. And as they were singing, the Spirit of God left the camp, moved into the camp of the enemy, and he set ambush against them. Folks, what is the difference between your own praise and their own praise? I don't know. Your praise may just be one empty praise. This praise is founded on what God has said. Their praise is founded on what God said they will do regarding the situation. What did he say? The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. The battle is the, is the Lord. I'm telling you this morning that there is something called the now word of God. There is something God is saying right now. But even though we call it the now word of God, it must be subjected to scrutiny. That scrutiny, what do you scrutinize it with? With the word of God that you have learned so far. The person, what you have learned about God so far. I think that is very important for us to take note of. Hallelujah. This whole thing ended because I want to end in verse 25. Verse 25, the Bible says, when they saw the destruction, they moved into their midst 
and they began to take the spoil. Do you know what that means? Valuables, gold, all manner of valuable things. They carried it. The Bible says it was too much for them to carry. There is value in your storm. There is value in the crisis you are going through. At the end of that crisis, you are not the same person that started, that began that crisis that is going to end up. At the end of that crisis, there are value, valuables that you have taken. If I situate it within some people's experiences, at the end of the crisis you are going through, you realize that before you had capacity to undo few things. But now you have capacity for more. Before this crisis, all you wanted to do was to be a good help to some people. You were always there, a shoulder for them to lean on. Before we realized it, they lied against you. And it was their word against yours. You couldn't wash yourself clean. But one way or the other, the salvation of the Lord came through. God vindicated you. But guess what? You could have said, God forbid, this is the last time I'm going to be, <laughs> be helping people. My shoulder, in fact, I will push shoulder pad on it. So that, no, no, no shoulder. I will remove the shoulder pad so that it's not comfortable for anybody to lean on. No! You develop capacity to handle more. You are wiser. Now you understand how to protect yourself, set up structure to be able to do more but without getting yourself into the trouble that God delivered you from. Is somebody following what I'm saying? When you hang, when that crisis ends, it's not the same thing. Pastor Chris Oyakilome told us, he said every crisis that they faced helped them open their eyes to the possibilities of God. Perhaps he just wanted to have a ministry. Of course, I know people say global ministry. Global, after all, Nation Quest is our own watchword for this year. But guess what? He was just doing his own thing. Perhaps let us grow organically. All of a sudden, they said, you cannot show this on TV anymore. You can't show this on TV anymore. Before you know what is happening, they took it out of Nigeria. And the ministry started in another nation. And all that. As they were doing it, another crisis came up with NTA. In response to that crisis, he took them to another nation. Until a point, it was too much. They took the headquarters to another place. They began to operate. Is that not so? To operate from another place before we know what is going on. Someone told me that Sinatch was the music person of the year for the awards. He said there is no award around the world that they get. How much did he get? Did she get? Eh? No, 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 in dollars. Eh? $100,000. Somebody just called me. Correct me if I'm wrong. What do they give them in Grammy? Apart from that thing they collect. Is there money attached to it? Is there money? Grammy, is there money attached to it? Someone called my attention to it. He said there is no award in the world. Of course, he's not talking about academic or any of those or, score, um, or grants from organizations. He's saying individual award, achievement. And then, okay, well, I'm Mo Ibrahim. I'm not talking about that. Music award. $100,000. Do you get what I'm talking about? A ministry in crisis. Don't run away from crisis. It will come. They will come. Now, coronavirus is there. Don't forget, coronavirus is drowning the voice of Lassa fever, which is deadlier. And Ebola is breeding somewhere. It's not in Nigeria, but it's breeding in one African country somewhere there. There will never be a time that the world will be free from the things that threaten the population. The only thing that is certain is the word of God. That is the only thing. Bible says the time is going to come that the earth, the things, the earth will be shaken and all the things in it, that the only thing that will remain are the things that are unshakable. Bible says we are being born again, not of corruptible, corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. 
What is that incorruptible seed? The word of God that lives and abides forever. It lives and abides forever. It will outlive coronavirus. It will outlive your embarrassment. The word of God will outlive your, your, your death. The word of God will outlive your embarrassment. The word of God will outlive whatever it is that you are facing right now. The word of God will outlive it. You had better lay hold of the word of God. You had better lay hold on it. Bible and advises us in Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1. He said, Now we, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. He said, We must pay, I think verse 2, yeah? Let's, let me check it. Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. That would be my last encouragement before we take the communion. So you can just bring the table. We just transit immediately. This will be my life, my final word. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 1, actually. Bible says, therefore, let me start from verse 14. I did not, okay, no, verse 13 says, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1 now says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard Lest we what? Lest we what? Lest we drift away. Message translation of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 if you have it. Message translation. Let's look at it. Therefore we must give the more. No, no. This is not message. Yeah. This is not message. I wrote it out. Let me look for it. <laughs> I just want to read this. I want you to hear it. Okay, thank you. The reason why it's like this is, you know, they don't just... Okay. It's what? Let, let's read it together. One, two, go. It's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we have heard so that we don't what? You can drift off from the things you have heard. That's what I'm saying. Vigilance is very important. A man can be standing strong in the word of God today. He knows the word of God. He's convinced of the word of God. There is nothing that comes to him. He knows that the word is nigh thee, even where? In your mouth. He knows that the word of faith is, the mouth of faith is not silent and he's speaking. But the Bible says you have to be careful because you can get to a point where the things that you firmly, you used to hold on to tightly, your grip on that truth can loosen. Or slacking, hallelujah. And it's no longer making sense to you the way it used to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fear comes with a bondage. You can't bear it. Fear has torment. You can't bear it. Every appearance of fear, you must rise. And believe what God says. And begin to declare what God says. Begin to seek the Lord. Let me tell you about seeking the Lord. It's not something esoteric. It's not something difficult. It just could mean that, Lord, I'm afraid at this thing I'm facing. But, Lord, I want to act in faith. I'm telling you. It's as simple as that. I want to act in faith. Give me a word, oh God. Strengthen my heart. Give me a word. I'm telling you one way or the other. It could be in the, in the word of God. It could be somebody saying something to you. It could be somebody narrating a story. It could be anything. Your word will come. 
Your word will come. When your word comes, it's time to sing. When your word comes, it's time to sing. Your praise is coming from the fact that God has spoken to you. You have not seen the salvation, but you have believed in what God has said. And in that point, you know you have victory already. You, have, you know you have victory already. I want to give you just one minute. One minute this morning to just address the issue that you are facing. In the place of work. It could be about your future. I want to describe some cases this morning. You're already planning exit strategy. By so-so time, at so-so age, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out of this sector. I'm going to get out of this. But you see, it's not supposed to be just your decision. You must seek the law. There are giants in the land. Canaan wasn't vacant. God drove people out. They fought wars and drove them out before they could occupy the land that God promised them. So you've got to hear God. You've got to hear God. You've got to hear God. To that student that is struggling, the Lord will have me tell you, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Let me make the adjustment. Let the Lord make the adjustment that is needed. You are reading. It's not as if you are not committing time to reading. But you don't understand what you are reading. Because your heart is already filled with fear. You are reading not from a place of rest. You are reading from a place of fear. Enough! Cry unto God. Help me, oh God. Let me concentrate. That person in the law school also. God is touching your heart. You don't need to be afraid. You will pass your by exam. But you need to hear him. You need to hear him. You need to hear him. Let him help you establish love in your heart so that fear will not have a place. Bible says there is no fear in love. First John 4.18 Perfect love cast out fear. Seek the Lord. Seeking the Lord is the act of fear. Is the act of love. Seeking the Lord means that you love the Lord. Seeking the Lord means you are there is a readiness to hear instructions receive instructions from him that is love that is also faith all of a sudden you will look for fear you won't find it because it doesn't live in you anymore you will look for fear it's no longer there so another person a professional expansion has come to your heart you know it's time to move on it's time to expand this thing now you have taken some steps but those steps you are taking is not enough is not commensurate to what you know God has downloaded into your heart. He wants you to move. Take these steps. He will meet you. He will meet you. I'm telling you. He will meet you. The word for you this morning is everything is ready. Go. Everything is ready. Go. Everything is ready. Go. Everything is ready. Go, 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 go. He has given you the word. I am confirming the word. You are not hearing it from me for the first time. It's a confirmation. Move. Stop limiting the people of God. There are many destinies attached to your obedience. Move now. Move now. Move now. Let us enrich the commonwealth of Zion 
Let us expand the frontiers of the influence of the, of the, of the, of the kingdom of God. Move. 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 Find the courage to another person you know is for you to speak. I don't know what that means. But you need to speak up. I see a mouth moving. You need to speak up. I want you to pick up courage. Pick up courage. God has not given you the spirit of fear. The attitude God has given to you that comes, flows from the Holy Spirit is that of love, of power, of a sound mind. Speak! 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 The salvation of the Lord is angry. You've got to speak! And make it happen. Speak! You've not heard it from me before. I'm telling you, God does not do it alone. God does not do it alone. God does not do it alone. His eyes run stone and flow the earth, seeking a man whose heart is dead on him. Seeking a man who will trust him. Looking for a man to host his obedience. A man to host his instructions. A man to host what he wants to do. We give you thanks, Father. We adore you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word to us. Thank you because fear has been banished from our lives forever. Thank you because we are bold, courageous. Success is ours in every step that we take because we are bold and courageous. We are bold and courageous. We are bold and courageous. Joshua was a man of war. The instruction of God to him is that he should be courageous. That God will give him good success. He should not be fearful. God cannot operate in an atmosphere of fear. When fear grips and rules your heart, God cannot. You've got to turn to him and begin to seek him. And let him help you drive out the spirit of fear. Bible calls it spirit. Let him drive out the spirit of fear. Let him drive out the spirit of fear. Sorry, I'm so sorry, but this one came to me and you got to hear it. You see, there are demons. <laughs> they plague individuals. Babu Paul was writing to Timothy. He said some people will give in to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That statement is real. It's not just something, a fiction. No, it's real. There's also something called principalities and powers. If the Lord permits, I will teach you one of these days, but you've got to know principalities and powers, you wrestle with them. You wrestle. How does it happen? When the Lord gives you innovative ideas and you execute it on the face of the earth, and many people were jobless and now, now have jobs. Those who don't know, who cannot see the future, or to think of getting married, they cannot get married. Because through what God gave you, they, they found employment and they can start a home. You are pulling down the kingdom of the enemy. Where the enemy said, no, nothing will thrive here. You have brought possibility to that place. That is how to wrestle. So when you see believers advancing in their place of work, that is spiritual. 
when you see believers standing their ground and say, I will run for that office and I will not be corrupt, they are struggling against principalities and powers. Should they succeed, we have gained a foothold or a mileage or more in the fight against the evil. Are you following me? So don't think what the Lord is giving to you is secular. No. Don't think the thought to start something is a secular thing. No, it is spiritual. It is spiritual. We are battling the spirit of the age. He's saying no work here. He's saying drought. We are saying no. No. Joseph is a fruitful bough planted by the waters. He will succeed. We are declaring the word of God in the marketplace, in the church, wherever we find ourselves, is the same life of God finding expression through work. God is the one speaking to you. Don't resist him. Don't resist him. Don't resist him. Don't, don't resist him. The elevation, the heights that you seek, the influence that you seek, the power, the influence, and these things that men run after, they are within the obedience of God. They are within it. We give you thanks, Father. We adore your name, O God. This morning, we're just going to take the communion. And I believe, God, as we take the communion this morning, that the Lord... We open our eyes to see the next steps that we are supposed to take. I believe the Lord will open our eyes and it will strengthen our feet to walk. Those disciples on the road to Emmaus, they invited Christ into the house. They've been discussing with him, but they didn't know who he was. But as he broke the bread and he gave them to eat, they said, hey, it's the Lord. Immediately they recognized him. It disappeared from their midst. In the name of Jesus, the Lord's instruction will be clear to you this morning. As you take the communion. As you take the communion. In the name of Jesus. Verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 23. The Bible says Paul was writing... For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said. Thank you. I need help. Thank you. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you have received the bread, you can eat. I want you to wait it to go around. The Lord himself told us to do this. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just wait patiently to get to you.
so amazed and I give you praise that you have saved us at such a cost I'm so amazed and I give you praise for the power of the cross thank you for the cross the mighty cross should I for such as I and we have all been changed into his image once for all by the cross we've truly been transformed we're so amazed we give you praise that you have saved us at such a cost We're so amazed and we give you praise for the power of the cross. Verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me verse 26 for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes his death gave us life His death gave us life. His death gave us life. You are planted by the rivers of waters. You bring forth your harvest in due season. Whatever you lay your hands on prospers. There is no season that you are not bringing forth because you are planted by the rivers of water productivity is the order of the day in your life because the life of Christ flows through you he said you should abide in him John chapter 15 and you are abiding in him he said without him you will have no life in yourself so now because you are abiding the life of Christ is flowing through you and through you is flowing to your work is flowing to your marriage is flowing to your business is flowing to your children is flowing to your nation is flowing to your bodies the life of Christ Ezekiel saw the same thing he said that water that river of life when it flows into the Dead Sea that the things in the Dead Sea came alive and the place where living things could not habitate, could not live before became their living place the 
uninhabited places the desolate places are becoming inhabited in the name of Jesus that is what the life of Christ has done for us everything you need is in that life everything 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 you are reading about his death but that is your life that is your life Bible says he was broken bruised for iniquity the chastisement for our peace that God will hear us that we will have access to God that we will be able to commune with God the chastisement for our peace was laid upon him now there is freedom to access there is freedom of access we give you thanks folks I'm just trying to encourage your heart until this thing goes round and we have all taken the communion that's what I'm doing that's what I'm doing just encouraging your heart and I just want you to meditate because as you take the life of Christ into you symbolized by the bread and the wine you are taking life into you the addiction you have not been able to break away from there is power in that which you have taken to break free from addictions no matter what it is in the name of Jesus the things you have not been able to break through to break into the increase the abundance the marriage that is turbulent the friendship that has become that has gone south God is bringing restoration God is bringing restoration He's restoring everything unto you the Lord, believe the Lord and you shall be established believe his prophet and you shall prosper I'm telling you it's a time of productivity like never before it's a time when the world is awake to the value that you bring in the name of Jesus somebody want to pray with me for one minute somebody wants to get up on their feet and join me for one minute What are you saying? Faith must not keep quiet. The voice of faith can be heard in the dark. The voice of 
of faith rings out even in the dark. You know what they say? The winning side is the shouting side. 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 It is the echo of the spirit that is being released to your home accord. It is the sound of victory released to your home accord. It is the sound of triumph released to your home accord. They want to keep you silent. The situation wants you to be quiet. But you are in reason. But shout! A shout! From the powers of your spirit!